0: We want to have the digital world and we want to interact with that in the
1: same way that we interact with the physical world. What is good, futurists? Do you know who it is? I think you know who it is. It's Michael Sakan coming at you with another insane interview on our future. We are a business media brand that delivers exclusive insights and career advice for you, the listener, so you can unlock your Future. Okay. It's our future, but it's also yours. Our future equals yours. I'm having so much fun this week because let me tell you, TikTok is so much fun. We've reached like 50,000 people on TikTok in just the past few days. Super easy to make videos. Where was I, guys? Where was I? That's such great publicity for this podcast on TikTok. And I wasn't leveraging it. But now, foot on the gas. We got time. I'm locking in. And today, we have a crazy interview with Greg Sullivan, the director of of Microsoft's mixed reality program. Can you believe it? Microsoft is the second most valuable company in the world. Of course, they're uncovering the future of virtual reality, but Microsoft terms their program a mixed reality. It's kind of their take on the mixture of AR and VR. They don't see it as mutually exclusive. They see AR and VR as both part of the same continuum. And they have an amazing product. Their highest level VR product is the HoloLens 2. And if you want to see HoloLens 2 in action, Greg demoed the tech live for us in this podcast. All you have to do is go to the YouTube video that I put together that shows the demo of this technology. It is crazy. He messes around with like a windmill, like mess, moving his hand around. You will get to see Greg put these goggles on with me on YouTube and actually test this technology out. I think it's pretty exciting. I think it's the first time Microsoft has done this on a podcast. You can watch the YouTube video. I've posted it on LinkedIn. I posted it on Instagram. Uh, We'll be throwing it up on TikTok, but the link in the description of this podcast is where you'll find that YouTube video to actually watch the demo of this tech. You'll only hear him talking about it, but if you actually want to watch this tech in real life, or not in real life, but on YouTube, you can click the link in the description of this podcast. So I'm really, really excited about it. Alex Froll, if you're listening, thanks for the assist, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much. And before we begin, just want to say thank you for all the support, all the listens, all the streams lately. We're really growing. We're expanding every single day, reaching more people through new platforms, new new strategies. It's amazing. We've got a full team here. I'll be introducing them soon. And the future couldn't be brighter. I can't wait for 2021. So let's dive into this awesome interview with Mr. Greg Sullivan, the director of Microsoft Mixed Reality. I guess the first thing is when I like to start my interviews, I like to take my guests and bring them back in time to when they were my age. So you know, you were you were, were you the, the doing the the punch card code thing back in uh, back when you were my age? What was going on? I
0: I was lucky enough to have just missed my first computer science class in college. the uh, The professor was so excited because they had literally just wheeled out the uh, the punch card readers and enrolled in these new. I think it was probably VT one hundred. These green screen terminals, and so we could actually write code. Uh, on a screen instead of with holes and pieces of paper. So, um, but yeah, I was almost—I uh, I was just on the very end of the of the punch card era, and uh, nobody was sad to see those days go
1: by. You started working at Microsoft pretty quick after you graduated college, right? It was—it was, it was yeah, you know it was, two uh, years 1990. after. Nineteen yeah. ninety. Wow, that was probably all young people interested in technology were like, "Gotta go work at Microsoft." It was that company, right?
0: Yeah, it was pretty exciting time. I remember I had a beta of Windows 3.0, and that was a really big deal. That was all the rage. Everybody was really excited about what that was gonna do for the computer industry and um, really kind of democratize things. And so we saw this kind of big shift coming. And I think that was, you know, one of the things we were talking about mixed reality today, that was a, a big kind of seismic shift in the interaction model with computers. Um, we had this desktop metaphor and it looked like the desk that you sat at at work and we had files and folders and you could drag and drop things so we evolved the interaction paradigm and the metaphor for how you use a computer drastically different than the punch cards certainly and even then a command line interface
1: what i think is crazy about your career is like you started in the 90s like in tech i think it's wild how you've you've had a stake in it from just the earliest phase to kind of where it's going, AR, VR, what have you. So that brings me to my next question before maybe we check out some of the cool tech you have in your office. You know, you, you, your job is director of Microsoft Mixed Reality, which I think is the coolest job title. Um, I usually hear like AR or VR. Can you tell me a bit about like what, what mixed reality means?
0: Yeah, so we, we use the phrase mixed reality intentionally instead of choosing between describing augmented reality or virtual reality. And the way we think about it is they really part of the same thing? They're two sides of the same coin. With augmented reality, you see the real world. Uh, with something like Hololens, you have a a, a translucent or a transparent uh, lens that you can see through. And we put digital objects in your field of view. We augment reality. Um, that's AR. In virtual reality, you're kind of at the other end of the continuum where you're really immersed. You're in this in, in this fully digital experience, and you don't have a lot of the the real world kind of, you know, I mean, you still experience gravity and you're, you, know, you, you're, you 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 know, walk in the real world and it, and it translates into the virtual world. Augmented reality and virtual reality are really part of the same continuum. And it's just anytime you're mixing the physical world and the digital world. The reason that we, we think holistically about that whole space is that we don't make a distinction. You can imagine that a device in the future where sometimes you can see through it and, and, and you have an augmented reality. But if you want to say you're on an airplane and you want to like do a surround movie, you hit a button and, you know, the thing becomes fully occluded and you enter a virtual reality mode, a much more immersive experience. And so because our platform and our applications and all of the our whole approach to this space encompasses that whole continuum, we think about it holistically. And that's why we say mixed reality instead of choosing between AR and VR.
1: Super interesting way to define it. I mean, what I'm familiar with is like Oculus goggles and, you know, the Google Cardboard and things like that, where you're like trapped in this universe. But what right. I think is fascinating about your guys' tech is it coexists like with are that real physical world. It's an aid. It's a an agent of, you know, assistance to whatever you're interfacing with. I know it's on your desk. We got it. I would yeah. love to see this right here. It's so cool how yeah. you guys have designed it. Now I can see myself. There, that's what you want to there, see. There, that's what I okay, want, that's what so want to see. Okay, I
0: am right now wearing a Hololens 2 headset, and I'm looking at a digital object floating in the air in front of me. In this case, this digital object is a is a turbine <laughs> from a uh, windmill. Um, and in fact, I have over here floating in the air. I've got a model of a of a wind farm, and I can come right up here and look. You can see I can get really close to this model. Now, what's cool is as I reach my hand out a bounding box appears around this hologram and I can grab these handles and I can move, I can spin it, I can grab a corner, I can make the whole thing grow. I can even actually just reach out and grab the hologram itself and stretch it and grow it. Uh, Now you can imagine I could visualize this wind farm. We can see right here is one of the mills itself. And then I could really inspect this turbine. And what's cool is is again, this is a digital object that has real three dimension, has actual volume. Um, it is it is something that I can walk around and see from different uh, from different spaces. It takes up space, uh, and but I interact with it as if it was real. I reach out, I grab it, I, I can shrink it and grow up. Now you can't do that with all real world objects obviously, but you can see that wow. the interaction model is, I use my hands and I reach out and I grab it and that's, Kind of one of the the underlying ideas here. We we want to have the digital world and we want to interact with that in the same way that we interact with the physical world. So if I see a digital object sitting on my counter, I don't need a manual to know that I can just reach out and grab it. This this simple idea has pretty profound implications um, when you start to use these devices to do real work.
1: The example of the windmill I like because I like any technology that removes humans from high risk situations. I'm very happy that you, Greg, wouldn't have to be up there on some kind of ladder fixing that windmill. Okay, that's what I'm happy about. Uh, Nevertheless, there's a lot of other use cases that Microsoft is pursuing, and you know, I I like how you guys are going like the utility route, to say the least. You know, it's not like for for I mean, it's cool to have it for media, entertainment, uh, and your everyday life, but being able to actually leverages technology to solve difficult engineering challenges and high-risk yeah. situations is, is fascinating I know one case study involved um, you guys collaborating with a hospital to you know remove doctors from being on the front lines um, I'd love to hear a bit more about that
0: yeah no this it's a really really exciting thing we've done we've done work with uh, with several healthcare institu- institute institutions including Imperial College in, in London um, who's using hololens to uh, enable physicians to interact with patients in a hands-free environment, but also during COVID um, to in- use remote assist so that that technicians and others can interact with physicians without having to use uh, more PPE um, and or introduce themselves into uh, into um, you know harmful environments. And so we're seeing so many examples. Another great uh, uh, healthcare—it's it's really an education example, but. Um, Case Western Reserve University is teaching anatomy to their medical students using HoloLens. Now, during COVID, of course, they had to shut down like the rest of us and stay home and figure out how to work uh, and do classes remotely. Um, and for the anatomy class in the medical school, they sent a HoloLens to the to the anatomy class students and they would collaborate in mixed reality and learn anatomy with full three-dimensional digital holographic anatomy models. Um, and they could interact with the professor and the professor could guide students through things. And so this, wow. this underlying principle that we talked about of bringing the digital world out of these you know, flat screens that they've been trapped in for decades and into the real three-dimensional world with us opens up all these new possibilities. So those, yeah, those are just a couple examples.
1: That's crazy. I mean, is there a potential for this to kind of coexist with robotic interfaces. So say we were to send a probe out of uh, the ISS to maybe fix a satellite or some kind of component. Do you think that if you were wearing the goggles, this is a use case where you could move your hands and it could operate the robot remotely? Yeah,
0: I think that idea of remote presence is uh, corners, Is one of the key use cases. The notion that whether it's it's controlling a robot or helping a human perform a complex test that they're not familiar with. Um, the ability to immerse yourself in an environment that you're not physically in is a really powerful thing to be able to do. And we're seeing, for example, you mentioned, you know, putting uh, folks in, in high-risk environments. We've been working with uh, uh, um, the uh, elevator company, uh, mm-hmm. for years with, with HoloLens. And they realized this early on, that, that they could scale the expertise of their best technicians and send them... Virtually around the world, without yeah. having to get on an airplane, they can use Hololens and remote assist, and they can and they can help solve these problems. So, uh, yeah, the the whether it's a robot at the other end or or a human being that just needs a little more help from an expert, um, those are key scenarios. And this notion of remote presence, you'll see, I think you'll see more and more
1: examples come up in that scenario. We are just at the beginning, so I do have a question as. I mean, do you think about the dangers of this tech? I mean, I know we're at, you know, we're at a kind of a, a very early stage right now, but is there a potential for us to slip into some kind of version of life that isn't real several decades down the line? I mean, is there gonna be a point where we can't distinguish between real life and virtual reality?
0: There's a generalized concern about new technologies that has been true for a long time. And and, and our view is that you can take kind of two approaches, you can take a dystopian view or a more utopian view. We choose to take a more utopian and optimistic view about the application of technologies. And I think that's that's proven over the course of years, whether it was radio or TV or computers or cars or you know, jet travel, um, every advancement in technology has also raised concerns about its potential misuse. I'm encouraged um, as a longtime Microsoft guy that, that my company really thinks deeply about the ethical use of technology, whether it's artificial intelligence or mixed reality or any of these things. Um, So we do think it is imperative that we proactively address these issues, think about them before they become a problem. I think, uh, you know, humans are pretty smart. We've been able to figure out a whole, a whole new way of doing a lot of things. And I think this is just another tool in our arsenal um. Uh, to to do things that we want to achieve, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's encouraging for me to work on something that ladders up so directly to what our company mission is—is is to help people achieve more.
1: The the hope is that we'll be using this a lot. Do you think that you have a, a time frame? You think like when do you think that someone like you know a, an average consumer is is interfacing uh, with with mixed reality on a regular basis? And also beyond that, like. I think we've reached peak smartphone. VR is clearly the future of that. When do you think like this smartphone might be replaced by tech like yours? Yeah,
0: boy, it's uh, you know, and I, I'm not sure that it's a it's a replacement idea as much as a as a as a as a growing of the pie. But um, I hesitate to make predictions. It's really easy to be wrong. I, yeah. I What did Yogi Berra say? Uh, predictions are difficult, especially about the future. Um, but it, I, I think we're really seeing a lot of. We're seeing a lot of the underlying technology trends come together to make this happen. I think uh, cloud computing, I think things like 5G. To me, 5G, I think mixed reality is a killer application for 5G. If you think about the the types of information that you wanna have available with low latency and high bandwidth at the edge of the network that does have access to all all kinds of cloud computing potential. that is really going uh, on the verge of explosion, and so I, I I I think it's close. I hesitate to put an exact time frame on it, um, but I think you know one of the things. Hololens two, for example, the Hololens one was a great device that brought mixed reality digital objects into your world. Hololens two was designed in explicitly to take advantage of cloud services so that it would be part of this bigger ecosystem a magical device that that brings holograms that I can interact with right in in my office here, but then it also connects to cloud services that can do things like render a 100 million polygon CAD file in the cloud and stream the results down to my device. So if we step back and think a little bit more holistically about all of these trends and how they're coming together, um, I think that will accelerate some of the scenarios we're talking about, and it, it'll be measured in, it's gonna be measured in years, um, to answer your question, or to sort of answer your yeah. question. Um, it'll be measured in years, not decades, but I think I think we're already seeing uh, that acceleration of some of the flywheels of all of these uh, component technologies happen, uh, and it's really starting to come together.
1: It's exciting, I mean, just your your pa- the passion you're conveying to me about this lights me up for sure. What is your piece of career advice to a student like me, a student who's 20 years old, how can they have a piece of this future? My advice, and I happen to have, I have three kids who are in their
0: 20s, actually. Oh, really? So, and then
1: they've heard me say, they say
0: this as well. For for me, I mean, we talked about the, the you know, the punch cards and, I mean, in, in, involved in this back in the eighty Back in the 80s, I, for some reason, got a a real interest in computer networking. I just geeked out. I, I, I just was super passionate about it. And I just poured myself into it and learned as much as I could. And I I actually got a job doing it. And so my advice would be, um, you know, it's been said before, but if you're uh, if your vocation is your avocation, you never have to work a day in your life. Find something that interests you. If you if you are if you feel that spark about something, then go that that's the direction back in the 70s actually it was when my dad bought me the uh, Timex Sinclair yeah, computer it's the one. and uh, <laughs> the T1 the T1000 I, uh, I I I was hooked and and that I'll never forget that moment of of typing things on a keyboard and having the screen do what I told it and that was just a profound experience and that's what that's what that's why I'm still at Microsoft 30, 30 years later is because that's the spark that I found Um, And and so my advice is, yeah, find that thing that that you really dig and that you would do in your spare time even if you didn't get paid to. Uh, And if you can get paid to do, that's the secret.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Greg Sullivan, director of Microsoft's Mixed Reality Program. Definitely an awesome job, a very stimulating industry for Greg to be uncovering. And I am excited about VR. I think it can do a lot of good for humanity. And as he said, it's a tool that we need to leverage going forward to especially during this pandemic when a lot of expertise is delivered remotely uh, that's what I think I'm pretty pretty interested in when it comes to like kind of the more short term implications of VR and then as we go forward you know maybe our smartphone just becomes kind of an integrated part of what we see and feel i would like to get in touch with some of you guys to just have a i just want to have a quick 5 minute call if you're still listening to this podcast uh, my number is 408-507-2749 Uh, please text me and let's set up a call. Like, I want to know what you like about the podcast, what kinds of guests you want to see, what kind of questions you like to have asked, all this stuff. I just want to know more about you. Uh, So please hit me up. Please text me. I'm lonely. Please, please text me. I'm just kidding. I'm not that lonely. Maybe I am. No, I'm not. I'm all right. Uh, Please text me. And as always, stay frosty. I do have one more request for you guys to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 54 It'd be amazing to get to 75, 100 in the next few months. It uh, would mean a lot. It really adds that extra layer of credibility for people who discover the show. Uh, and as always, my last thing to say is, is stay frosty, okay? We're nearly in 2021. It's going to be the best year ever. So we're going to make it through. Have a great kind of uh, you know ramp down of the holiday season. And I'll be with you again soon with more great content. Peace out.